Welcome to For Your Institution, the Mongoose podcast dedicated to higher ed, helping schools better communicate and engage with students and alumni. This episode features our partnership with Enrollify. As part of that partnership, we do a podcast called Chats What She Said. This is our director of marketing, Nicole Gates, with the founder of Enrollify, Zach Boozy Cruz. They meet up monthly to talk about uh, ways to better engage with students and Gen Z. And in this episode, they do just that, talking about personalization and communication. So please enjoy. I mean, I don't answer the phone even when I know who's calling. My voicemail isn't even set up. If you want a response from me, you need to text me. Welcome to Chats What She Said a special podcast series in collaboration between Enrollify and Mongoose. Each month, tune in for fresh ideas for communication strategies and tactics that attract, engage, and delight Gen Z. I'm Zach, founder of Enrollify. And I'm Nicole, director of marketing at Mongoose. You can subscribe to this series and access other podcasts, e-courses, videos, and more at enrollify.org. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Mongoose, you can do so by heading to mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. Okay, Nicole, so I have to tell you this story. Uh, it's actually it's actually two stories, and they're different stories, but they both happened in like the last 24 hours, so it's like top of mind. Um, so first story is I went into the office, which I haven't done in a while, <laughs> and um, I, I, I don't drive that much anymore, right? I live in the city, so I, I mostly, in, in D.C., so I mostly like walk to get groceries and, you know, go to restaurants and stuff like that. So I hadn't driven for a while, but I drove to the office and I like it was supposed to be cold. But then when I stepped outside, it was like warm. So before I got into my car, I took off my jacket and I threw my jacket in the back seat. And, you know, this is one of those like mistakes where your keys are like in your jacket pocket, right? Like with your wallet. And I just threw it in the back seat. So then when I got out of my car at the when I got to the office, I hit lock on like the little like button on my door handle and then realized that my keys and my wallet were in my jacket in the back seat. Right. So I'm oh, no. <laughs> locked out of my car. Um, and I realized like, I, okay, I have to call like a locksmith. So I Google, right. Like locksmith near me. And I talked to like two different, the first guy, the first person I talked to, he either didn't understand what I was asking for or was like too busy to help me. He put me on hold I was on hold for 10 minutes. Then he answered again and he said, oh, sorry, we can't help you. He, so he hung up. I called a second company, talked with them. Um, they were like, oh, let's get back to you. Uh, they never called me back. The third oh, company God. I found, they had this little button on uh, their website that said uh, chat with us. And so I I said, all right, well, let's give this a shot. I've tried calling two different places. It didn't work. I clicked the chat with us button. And literally, I kid you not, within five minutes of correspondence with this company, they said, great, we've got a driver, they'll be out there, and they'll be there in 10 minutes or whatever it was. It was un- it, w- it was so uncanny, and I immediately thought of you, and I thought about everything that we're talking <laughs> about on this, this segment, because it was like so much easier than trying to get somebody on the phone to, to help you out. So that's story number one. Story number two is I was 
so for our listeners, I was spo- Nicole and I were supposed to record this episode uh, yesterday, actually, and then I got held up at the doctor. Um, and as I was leaving the doctor's office, I was crossing the street and I heard this like yell. And I was like, what is going on? I turned around and this woman was like face like face down on the side of the road. And I like run oh. over to her and I'm like, are you okay? And she was okay, but she was yelling. And turns out, I guess uh, her Uber driver like backed up, like let her out of the car. And then he backed up to go into a different direction and like hit her. She's like in her like <gasps> mid sixties or so. And her phone is like all over the place. Her, 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 uh, her laptop is like broken so i like help this lady up and i i'm like are you okay like is everything okay she's just like hysterical and again she wasn't injured thank god there was nothing crazy that actually happened to her i think she was just really really scared shocked yeah um but she had to like get to this doctor's appointment and i she was like hey can you just get me to this doctor's appointment so like i'm like running around dc trying to like get her to this this appointment and um turns out like along the way she was like hey i really need um uh, can you can you uh, can you let the doctors know that i'm going to be late i called the doctor's office twice no answer like couldn't get through to anybody then i noticed on their website through her phone they had this chat option and i hit chat and i said hey i this is this crazy situation i'm with this woman adrian i need to help her out she needs to push her appointment back by 15 minutes or whatever it was and literally, I kid you not, literally, within a matter of minutes, a response came in, great, no worries, we'll see you guys when you get here. And so that was, you know, sort of two very random stories, but I share that because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like, we, I think we have hit this inflection point where after these experiences, I only want to engage with websites or engage with, yeah. um, you know, uh, organizations that have this sort of option because I can't, even when I call, like, I can't rely on somebody even answering or being there or being able to just help me. And it's, it's so much more cumbersome. So with that, I digress, but uh, <laughs> I thought you might, thought you might enjoy those stories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, you had some crazy stories lately, but I mean, it kind of reminds me we're uh, starting to plan like our team Christmas party. And I was looking at restaurants yesterday and like, same thing. I was trying to like book reservations for like 10, 12 people. And if I had to book, uh, if I had to call to make the reservation, I was like, well, I'm not going to that restaurant. And then I'd find one that had like either an online form that I could submit or a chat um, functionality where I could say, Hey, do you have room to reserve for 12 people on this date? And if so, that like made my decision on like which restaurant we're going to have our Christmas party at all because like, I didn't want to be bothered with like calling someone and have them maybe pick up, maybe they'd be annoyed because it's probably the person at like the front desk, you know, who doesn't want to deal with like reservations for December. Um, And like the whole, just that whole experience of like call versus chat was the reason why I chose whatever restaurant I went to. So it just goes back to like thinking of like our own kind of behavior when we're booking our own things and how much, chat and online experience in your website is just such a defining feature now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in, in light of what we want to talk about today, which is all about how we can connect better with students through personalized communication strategies. I think what we're both kind of hitting at here is like, we, at least for the two of us, we've hit this point where it's like, it's so much more cumbersome to have to call and to have to deal with being on hold and deal with somebody that might not fully understand the context, right? It's just a lot easier to be able to communicate that context over chat, over, over you know, uh, filling out some sort of form 
And I think that that, um, that's an example of how like our consumer preferences have now shifted. Like they've, they have changed and they're in all likelihood, not going to go back to the way that things were. And so if we're feeling this way, it's like how much more are other, our Gen Z, other students, uh, students who are in college right now, prospective students that are still in high school feeling, uh, feeling this way. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I really want to pick your brain cause, um, there's, I feel like personalized communications gets talked about in a lot of different contexts. People might even be a little bit like tired and maybe even numb to the word because it's been on every sort of like, you know, conference uh, slide deck right. over the last 10 years in, in marketing generally, let alone in higher ed. Um, but I want your thoughts. Like when you think about personalized communications and what, what that actually means, like where, where does that start? Um, how, how can schools that might not be doing this super well start doing this well? Like, let's, I guess, start at the beginning. What, when you think about personalized communications, like, what does that actually mean to you? Yeah, for me, it's just, you know, um, not doing that mass text or that mass email approach and really looking at ways where you can segment and talk to the person who you're trying to contact on like an individual basis. You, I feel like sometimes people get a little thrown off by the word personalized because they think it's probably going to be a lot of work. Mm. I don't have the time to kind of personalize my messaging, but there's a lot of ways to make the message seem personalized without having to do like a one-on-one -on -one kind of reach out for people, whether that's, you know, segmenting and talking about something that's very specific and relevant to that segment or it's just, you know, like putting in some individualized um, data pieces that are probably already living in your CRM that can just kind of pop in and make that message look a little bit more tailored to someone. Um, I think like recently, you know, me and my friends, we're all starting to get, you know, like giving day fundraising texts from our um, colleges. Yeah. And, you know, me being the nerd, I was like, let me see your text messages. I want to see like what people are sending to you. And the ones that my friends are saying are coming off annoying are just like, hey, this is so-and-so from this university. Give me money. And like, it just looks like a broadcast. It just looks like, you know, it's a spammed out text that was just thrown out. It has no relevancy. The funding fundraising has like no ties to something that they care about. It doesn't even say their name. Like um, it's, that's, what you don't want to do and just little tweaks that you can change to probably still like a mass text like that, like adding a name, adding something that's a little bit more relevant that they did in school will just help it stand out a little bit more and make it seem like you actually put some effort behind the communication. What's so funny about all this too is like, I'm just, I'm thinking about inquiry forms on college and university websites, let alone like applications. Like colleges have like an incredible amount of data on their students. Like you know, arguably more than just about any other sort of brand that these students might be interacting with, right? Like, you have a lot of data at your disposal. And the question is, like, how are you leveraging that in a way where you're making segment segmenting easy and scalable for your team, but you you're also leveraging the fact that, hey, you know, when Nicole graduated, you know, presumably what she majored in, is there any particular tie in you can use there to make that ask even just slightly more specific? Like, 
help fund, you know, this new building that's, you know, going to be built for majors like you, right? Or whatever it is. Like, right. The the data, right? Like not being there isn't an excuse because in order to even get into the school, you basically have to, you know, sell your soul and offer up the name of your, you know, firstborn child in, in order to just like be granted <laughs> admission, right? Into the school in the first place. So it's funny that like higher ed struggles when it comes to segmenting when like, they have so much data at their disposal. Yeah, they probably have more data than like some of the uh, big businesses that they would just love to kind of have that kind of personalized data to be able to reach out to their customers yeah. in that way. So, I mean, like same as just in general marketing, they always say like, don't try to be everything to everyone because you're going to fail. It's the same with, you know, whatever your campaign is, whatever you're trying to communicate out, don't try to have that communication be everything to every student because that's not going to resonate with them and just try to find ways you can kind of segment and niche down your com your communication strategy just so that you seem a little bit more relevant and a little bit more personalized to who you're talking to yeah and I think like when I think about segmenting too we typically well at least I should say it, where my brain immediately goes is like okay, let's go into our CRM and let's pull a bunch of different lists um, based off of, you know, uh, some sort of like smart criteria based off of what we know about these people. And then let's blast an email to just, you know, that particular, um, that particular group of students. Um, and what, but, but I think like taking this a step further, like when it comes to good segmentation, it's also about like segmenting in that it's, it's meeting the prospect or meeting the student, like, where they're at in the channel that they're at, they're in and not necessarily like forcing them down a particular linear path that's just like more convenient for the institution or your team and I, I like an example of this is like there there's a growing number of prospects that will like dm an institution on instagram right or or on twitter and ask a question and nine times out of 10, the response is great. Thank you so much for reaching out. Here's a link, send an email to this particular person to get an answer to your question. And I understand why schools do that. But it, to me, it's like, hey, the user is empowered today, the consumer is empowered today, they're in control. If you really are interested in answering their question, find a way to answer it through Instagram DMs, like don't send them to another channel, don't require them to copy and paste an email address and send an, a general email to, you know, Dr. So-and-so to get their question answered, like answer it to the best of your ability on the platform itself. Don't make them go elsewhere. And I think that that, that shift in sort of like problem solving in app is, is a big one and isn't something that most schools are, are doing right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, every time you think of um, adding another kind of step in communicating with you, that's another opportunity for them to fall off. Like if you think of, you know, you're always thinking of conversion rates and conversion points. And if someone tweets you or DMs you and you're trying to make them copy, open up their app in their email, then write the same thing and then send every single one of those steps is another way for to lose that student or to lose that prospect from communicating with you. So the easier you can make it for them to communicate directly with you by just communicating right in the platforms that they're already in, the better that you can um, increase your opportunity to connect with those prospects, 
get them in your funnel, get them into, you know, hopefully applying whatever the situation is. Yeah. And I think, you know, segmenting the default, I think for most of us is to think in terms of like personas, right. And, and, and target audience groups. And while that is certainly a a wise way to, to segment, there's also something to be said for like journey stage segmentation, right? Like where, where are these prospects at, regardless of like what persona group they might fall into? Like, where are they at in their decision-making process? And, you know, when somebody is just browsing, they, they need, they still need communications. They still need information, right? But the kind of information and the kind of communication that they need, you know, varies wildly. And I think the Versus somebody who's, you know, six weeks out from making a purchasing decision and deciding to apply to your institution, they need a totally different set of communications, a totally different set of uh, communication uh, style. And yet I feel like most schools, they, 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 they can only do the latter. Like they can only do the, hey, here's how you apply. Here's how you get started. Uh, these are the forms that we need. Like we need letters of recommendations. Here's how you go about getting those. And while that's great and fine, once somebody's sort of at that decision-making stage in sort of like the the quote-unquote buyer's journey, you leave off the table an incredible amount of potential prospects that could have got to that decision stage, but they're still in consideration stage, and you just didn't deliver anything that was particularly relevant or interesting to them. You didn't keep their attention. You didn't stay top of mind. So they never graduated to that decision stage. They, they could have. They actually fit like the criteria of student that you're targeting and looking for. But because there wasn't a unique communication sequence or a unique set of uh, tactics and strategies to nurture those folks, they kind of got left out and, and, and left in the dark. And so in addition to like persona segmentation, I think journey stage segmentation is incredibly important. And I would even argue it's probably easier to do that well than than persona segmentation. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I think that's often an overlooked type of segmentation. Um, I think people tend to think of segmentation as like, oh, they're interested in this major or they're interested in this major. Um, but actually segmenting them on the journey that they're on and like what stage of the funnel they're in is probably going to help make it easier to personalize. Um, so if you have, you know, we talk about nudges and reminders with the application process, but what about nudges and reminders to, to start the application process where you're like, hey, we saw you were starting this form or you were on this page, like, do you need any help? Um, rather than waiting until they're already kind of in there, tailor your communication to get them into that point. And then also make sure that you're personalizing once they are in that point to make sure that they're going through all the steps. We'll jump right back into the show after a quick message from this week's sponsor. The way high school students navigate the admissions process has changed. But has your outreach strategy? It's time to meet Mongoose. Designed with your admissions goals in mind, Mongoose's market-leading conversational software allows your school to create a unique, omni-channel communication strategy that helps you stand out from the competition and helps you connect with more prospects with less work. Meet students where they already are with their premier texting platform, Cadence, or instantly deliver personalized engagement to each website visitor with their AI conversational chatbot, Harmony. To learn more about Mongoose's offerings, head on over to mongooseresearch.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's mongooseresearch.com forward slash enrollify. I talked with a couple of folks 
who are uh, Gen Zers, and they are working at this agency within a university, and it's called Voicey Digital. Uh, it's actually at University of New Hampshire. And um, we're going to release a whole podcast on that that conversation. And it's, it's it, I learned so much talking to these students. They were unbelievable. Um, you should just not listen to anything that I ever say ever again and just listen to these people <laughs> because they are just – they were dynamite. Um, anyhow, one of the more interesting insights um, I think for our, for our listeners today is Hannah, who is a senior right now, she's a first semester senior. Um, she is interested in going to grad school, but probably not for like a year and a half. Um, so she's got to finish, you know, her ne- her second semester, and then she wants to work at least for a year before she would start a grad program. Um, but she said, you know, hey, like I, I, this is a big purchase. Uh, this is a big deal if I'm going to go do something like this. So I want to start my like journey, if you will, now. So she goes and she like inquires at these schools, fills out their inquiry forms. And she, which, which she talks about on, on this, in, during this interview is she got called two hours later, um, by a recruiter at one of these, uh, at one of these schools. And the, the number came in as likely spam, like on the caller ID. Oh, wow. uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, like, I think Apple's getting, well, I, I, at least I, I have an iPhone. So Apple's getting a little bit smarter and they're, they're like pinging me to let me know if this call is like worth answering or not. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's an Apple or a Sprint thing, but anyhow, point being, um, they uh, she she like answered the phone anyways, and it was this recruiter. She said, "Hey, I'm not really interested in this time at this point in time. I was just trying to get some basic information about the program." And she then she said the lady hung up, and then two hours later she got a call from a different recruiter, but at the same school. So you know, <laughs> data was not segmented well in that CRM. The person called while she was making dinner. And um, she said, hey, I just talked to somebody else uh, from your school, from the same program that I'm looking at. I'm not really interested in this time at this particular juncture. I'm just looking. I'm just browsing. And she said the person tried to, like, convince her to set up a meeting in six months. They said, look on your calendar. Can you plan something for six months? Can we just nail something in now? And Hannah was like, you know, she's she was like, I'm a pretty, like, mature, like, you know, student here, I'm, I'm a, I give people the benefit of the doubt, but like, honestly, this just left such a bad taste in my mouth for this brand. It's like, all I did was ask for a little bit more information. I still haven't gotten that information. Instead, right. I've had two people call me, uh, not even text, call me and basically like pressure me to schedule a meeting with them. Like, and anyways, I, I use that as an example because for two reasons. One, I think that 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 is just a testament to the fact that schools really do struggle, especially at the graduate level. They struggle with how do you nurture people that aren't going to buy from you for two years, right, or a year and a half. Like, you got to think very differently about what that communication looks like, what that strategy looks like, than when you're dealing with a high school senior that's in their second semester of of uh, senior year, and you know that like, okay, you've got eight weeks before they make their decision you you know what that looks like um and i i, I would argue that as as you know colleges and, and and higher ed just gets more competitive the schools that are going to win are the schools that plan further out and that understand here's how you take a nicole who inquired today but isn't interested in actually making a purchasing decision for 18 months here's how you nurture her like send you send her a text maybe uh and say hey check out this new tiktok that we just did that's kind of funny and you start there right you say nothing about the program you say nothing about the events like and this i think requires just an incredible paradigm shift in how we think about recruitment and 
you know, it's it's hard, but like I, I feel like if we don't do that, if schools don't do that, they're missing out on an incredible amount of opportunity. Anyway, sorry, that was very long-winded. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're spot on because I think it's not just um, like a higher education problem. I think this is actually a larger issue with just like consumers today where, you know, we just talked in our last podcast how like Gen Z is a lot savvier. They're a lot smarter. They kind of can read into typical sales tactics. So you actually like hurt yourself by being very hard, really trying to like nail down, you know, like meetings and bookings and getting them into applications. And I understand because you're probably being pushed to meet certain KPIs. And it's really hard when you're not meeting those to be thinking of something that's a little more lofty, like nurture sequences. But I think, you know, as the consumers, like students and just people in general get smarter about these kind of tactics, you have to change your approach to how you build and nurture those relationships. And it really is about, you know, providing value when they do ask for more information, actually providing them that information and not asking for more, but also just having that open line of communication. So like, instead of like trying to book her a meeting six months ago, just say, Hey, like, I totally understand. Let's, um, do you mind if I follow up with you in six months to see where you're at in the meantime, set up things and reminders, whether it's an email, a text nudge, um, what have you set up reminders, like maybe once every couple months or whatever you feel is comfortable, just saying like, Hey, just checking in. We just released this cool TikTok. I thought you might be interested, or maybe you'd like to see like this event that we're doing for grad students, you know, things that pique their interest and get them like, Oh, wow. I really want to like apply. So then by the time you do have that six, that conversation, six months later, maybe they're already convinced more and ready to like, say like, yeah, I'm ready. You guys are it. Like, I know I want to book, but I know I'm not going to like apply for another six months, but I've already made my decision near where I want to go. And maybe this is, you know, you and I are, are marketers, Nicole, like through and through. And, um, the difference right between Mark, you know, the admissions team is a little bit more like the sales team, right. Uh, at, at colleges and universities and difference between, you know, marketing and, and admissions is well, I would argue more and more and more, uh, marketing teams and admissions teams are actually working well together. They're collaborating. There's still some, you know, territorialness that you might find in any sort of traditional like marketing and sales relationship. And, I wonder if like situations like we're talking about right now with Hannah, where she's raised her hand, but she's also communicated that she's like 18 months out from making a purchasing decision. Maybe there, this presents some really interesting opportunities for marketing emissions to collaborate together on a totally different, like nurturing sequence. Like marketing is trying to justify to leadership. Hey, you know, these memes that we're creating actually matter. And like these TikToks like are, are worth, it's worth spending more money here. And, and maybe a way to do that is actually to go to your admissions team and say, hey, let's develop, let's think, let's radically reframe the people that have said, hey, I'm interested, but I'm definitely not like making a decision for 18 months. Don't try to convince them to make that decision sooner. Instead, what does it look like to figure out how do we effectively nurture these sorts of people to the point where eventually 18 months from now, when they are ready, we're still top of mind. And I would argue that a lot of those activities, a lot of those like nudges and reminders are probably marketing nudges and reminders, right? Like they're mm-hmm. probably just, they're more fun. They're more dynamic. Hey, our we had a student uh, who is a graduate of the program that you're interested in. They were just on, you know, CNN talking about X, Y, or Z, right? Like check out this video clip or something like that, right? Like, and I think that 
there's not enough if this is happening i don't hear about it um and i think that this could be a really opportunity a really interesting opportunity for these two teams these two real you know pillars of institutions to collaborate in a very like proactive productive fashion and kind of rethink all right if we don't need to try to convince nicole to come to this event that we're having in six weeks what do we say to her like what should we just say nothing like or is it actually worth sending her this TikTok, uh, you know, sending her this like meme, <laughs> sending her this student story um, on YouTube? And that's a conversation that I think more people should be having. And quite frankly, if they're having them, they're having them, you know, behind closed doors and no one else is talking about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good way also to figure out what, you know, we have, we just talked about having all this data on current uh, students or previous students but it's also a good way to get data on prospects and mm. understanding like what resonates with them and what doesn't. So like, okay, yeah, we have this group of the segment of people who are like interested in our grad program, but they're not interested for two years. Well, let's start testing, like sending them TikTok, sending them a podcast, sending them an article and see like what gets engaged with. Yeah. And then as you see that you can tailor and personalize, you know, this is a different way of looking at personalization is tailor kind of what you're communicating out to prospects. Cause you're like, okay, well, you know, the podcast was a bit of a bust, but they really love this TikTok of, you know, our president dancing. So let's do more TikToks and send them that because that clearly resonates more and it can help you, you know, personalize your communication, know what resonates with prospects and what to do more of, whether it's marketing, whether it's, you know, enrollment and more of the sales side of things, it can help you understand like what you should be communicating to prospects on people who you don't have necessarily the best data and information on. Yeah, I, I love, I love, love, love that idea. And I also think like, it, it honestly helps marketing uh, better justify sort of like their spend and their strategies. And like, I think this brings like attribution to a whole new level. Like if, if at the point in time that Hannah and doesn't decide does decide to enroll at this institution, if she remembers the TikTok that she was sent and she <laughs> remembers the president dancing or whatever it was, like <laughs> right. that's a win for marketing, but it's also a win for admissions. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know what? Like we do need to think strategically about what does it mean to have a relationship with a non-paying customer for 18 to 24 months before they become a paying customer. And again, like as we were just chatting about earlier, there are very few industries that I think have this kind of challenge, right? Like maybe, maybe people like when you're buying a home and the decision-making prop, maybe like subscribing to Zillow, right? Or whatever it is, or Redfin or whatever, maybe like that process is somewhat akin. It's, it's, it's a multi, you know, year in, in some case process. Um, but outside of that, maybe buying a car, I guess, could be a, a longer, like buying uh, a longer sales cycle. But, you know, I, I think higher ed is sort of in this like really unique situation where outside, I mean, the, the traditional student is a little bit different, right? Like folks understand that every year there's going to be high school seniors that are going to college. Like that's a little bit easier to tackle. But anyone outside of that, un that traditional sort of undergraduate uh, population, it, it does become a little bit harder, right? Like if you're targeting adult students who haven't completed their bachelor's degree, they could start a new program in the fall, six months from now, or they could start one six years from now. Right. And like, how, like, how much do you, you know, time, money, energy, do you want to invest in keeping up that relationship until they are ready to make some sort of like purchasing decision? 
So, anyways, I guess that's that's just a long way of me saying I feel for I feel for higher ed. Like I really do. Yeah. But I think it's a you, tough situation. And but if you can do this, like if, if you can find mm-hmm. a way to to start a relationship with Hannah, don't scare her off, and strategically nurture her with fun content, engaging content, entertaining content, up until you know the point where she is ready to take that next step. I think that there's a huge opportunity for schools. Like you don't need to be a, na- a household name brand. Like you don't have to have you know, the, the largest marketing budget in order to do something like this. You just have to be diligent about having something for everybody, even if they're 18 to 24 you know, months out from making a purchasing decision. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we talk about students' behaviors and their views on what colleges they go to and why. And it seems like there is definitely a shift, you know, they're caring more about like making sure that the college cares about them and that they're not just a number. Um, and I think by approaching like how you talk to them and communicate to them and make sure it's on this personalized segmented type relationship, it's going to help you stand out from the crowd, Mm. you know, like the other schools that are just doing this mass text, that's not personalized, that doesn't say their name, that's not relevant to anything that they asked for. And instead you say their name, you, um, talk about something that they they're interested in and you keep nurturing and you keep showing like, Hey, just wanted to check in and like. I wanted to see if you were interested in this or did you see this, you know, like that shows that you care and that's going to help you stand out from the other communication that's happening from your competitors. So when you guys at, at Mongoose, when you guys talk to your clients about like uh, nudges and reminders and just frequency of texting, like any, any sort of like good advice or frameworks for folks that are, you know, they're agreeing with everything that we're saying. And, but then there's sort of this like big question around, okay, well, how often do I communicate? Like how regularly is it, is it too interruptive if I text somebody every day, uh, every week, every month, like what sort of like, uh, guidance would, would you give folks, um, with respect to, especially when it comes to texting, which is a very personal channel to begin with, like what frequency works and how should folks kind of think about, uh, these big questions? Yeah, no, we get that asked a lot. Like how many texts are too many texts and, it really goes down to like, what is the purpose that you're trying to communicate? So if it's just something very generic or just like, you know, maybe one of those bigger nurture sequences where you're just like, Hey, just checking in. Have you seen like this latest event that we're doing that might be better off as like an email, you know, something not too invasive. Um, But if there's something where you need to like, you want to ask a question or you're trying to get an action of some sort, that's probably when I would recommend a text. So like, it's not so much of the frequency, but like, what is the purpose and what you're trying to get out of it? Hmm. Um, so like, for example, like, you know, you think of processes where like the financial aid deadlines up, like making sure that they're checking in on processes before the deadlines come up. Or, you know, if they, you want someone to RSVP to an event or see like kind of pique their interest, that's when maybe a text would be useful. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are a little hesitant to send too many texts because it is a balance. You don't want to be like, you don't want to be texting them every day because you're going to get blocked and everybody's going to get annoyed. But I do think that Gen Z is a little bit more open to receiving texts. Um, I think in the RNL e-expectations report this year, it said like nine out of 10 students expect texts from their colleges. So I would say don't be like as wary of using texts, but just use it, um, you know, strategically and be smart about it. 
Yeah, and it's funny when I was talking to you, uh, Hannah. Hannah was one of the students I was talking to, as I've I've name dropped her like ten times already. But uh, <laughs> Kamal, who had incredible insights as well, was the other student I was talking to, and he talked he talked a little bit about texting and. His, his point was like, you know, I get so many emails from colleges. Like I asked them to talk about sort of their, their journey to school. Both, again, both of them are seniors. So they were mostly uh, receiving communications from colleges and universities like three-ish, three and a half years ago. Um, seniors in college now, I should say. And um, what they were re both remarking, but what Kamal really said and spent a fair amount of time talking about was the fact that you get so many emails that like until he gets a text, it, it's no it's not urgent or important but like when he gets the tax it's like oh shoot yeah i i i think i got an email about that like let me go and like you know read that email right so it's funny it, it totally aligns with what you're saying about like the the nudges the reminders and i think texting as a communication channel while it can be very conversational and like everyone's a part of you know group chats and whatnot there when it comes to brands interacting with you you do sort of have this expectation. I think I talked about this on the last podcast where like Sprint, um, we're so used to Sprint like pinging us to let us know when to pay our bill that some something changed. We didn't get the ping and we got like a late fee, right? Like there is something about when brands text you about it being sort of urgent and important that does stand out. Even though I got three different emails about it that reminded me that my payment was coming up. I saw those emails. I just didn't take an action until I got the text and it was like oh all right now it's time to go respond and it sounds like you know based off what Kamal was saying and what you're just you, what you're just sharing too uh, at a minimum texting should be used for that and at a minimum mm -hmm. school should be thinking and ensuring that they've got that baked into their reminder strategies yeah and that's why you know personalized communications a lot very very important with texting because it's if you do use it, you know, too much and too much like a mass communication strategy that's not, you know, like a reminder or personalized to take an action or something relevant to them, it's going to be a turnoff. Where if it is personalized, where you're like, hey, I know you were interested in this grad program and I just wanted to check in because we're like six months out and see if you wanted to book an appointment, like that's relevant of a text. But if you're just like, hey, graduation, like graduate enrollment open, apply here, like that's going to be more of a turnoff. So like, yeah, make sure the texting is personalized to, you know, an action that's specific to them. Or, you know, if just make sure it doesn't come off, like if you're going to just do a mass communication, leave that to email because email isn't as intrusive as texting is. Yeah. What do you guys think? Like, are your are your clients talking a lot about um, like video messaging yet? Or like, what are, what are your all's thoughts on how like one-to-one -one video plays into personalized communications? Yeah. Um, we have a few clients who are asking about how to send, you know, personalized videos via text. It's something that we're looking into how we can help support that. It is hard because, you know, like sometimes images or videos can get pinged yeah. and, um, you know, the services don't allow it, but I mean, as a marketer, I know personalized videos is a great way to just like, you know, there's so many platforms out there where you can shoot a really quick video and send it in an email. Um, and just like, like we said, that personalization just helps. It makes you look like a real person. Yeah. It helps you seem, it humanizes you and your brand, um, and just makes it you'll probably see a higher conversion rate in terms of people responding back to it because they felt like you put in some effort um, communicating one-on-one -on -one with them, especially through video. I mean, 
seeing a human's face just helps a lot yeah. versus just, you know, a email with text. Yeah. 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 No, it's funny. And, and I think like one-to-one -one video is, is the next frontier. And I think we're going to see more and more schools start using this. And it's still, I think a, a little bit of way, like ways out in that it's not going to be adopted by everybody overnight, um, just because it is a little bit more labor intensive and there are, you know, technical uh, components to it that make it a little bit challenging. But I do think for schools that can start thinking about these things, it's a very worthwhile investment. What I would say that's, you know, cheaper and way easier to kind of like get started with like today is I, I'm surprised that more schools aren't using like Loom as part of their admissions process in, in terms of communications. And for those who aren't aware, Loom's like a super easy like app. It's like a, there's a Chrome extension. There's also like a desktop app and it lets you just do simple screen recordings uh, and then very quickly transform that into like a video that you can copy and paste and, you know, send to anyone via any messaging app or email or whatever. Um, and what I love so much about Loom, I don't know if you use it or how often you, you might've used it, Nicole, but like, it's so easy to better explain something, even if you're like walking through like three little slides or like I use it for guest outreach. I use it to explain, you know, new things that Enrollify is doing when I'm trying to find new partners or whatever it is. And I mean, the, you also get a ping, right? Every time somebody watches the video, which is also super, super fun. And you can kind of see like who watched the video, how much of it they watched, et cetera. But like these things are so easy uh, to, to use and to very quickly do and hit send. Um, and I'm surprised that it, they're not actually used. Uh, I think there's, I think, um, oh gosh, Drift has like an app like this mm -hmm. too, video bot or something like that. And so there are other options as well. I'm not here to just endorse Loom, but like, I feel like this, this the power of like quick screen recordings, even just a quick, like, Hey, Nicole, uh, here's, I wanted to remind you, here's how you go. And you start your application. You go up to the website. Uh, you go to the nav upper right hand corner. You click here, you put in this info ready to rock. Let me know if you have any questions, you know, Zach, something as simple as like that. It literally takes just as long. Or I would even argue it, it, it takes uh, less time than crafting an email does in order to send something like that. Um, and I, I'm just surprised more people aren't aren't using that as a vehicle to further personalize their communications. Do you guys talk about that or think about that? Or what are, I guess, just your personal thoughts on things like Loom? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, people tend to, you know, get stuck in the way things have always been done. Um, but, you know, the audience are changing and there's a lot of different softwares and opportunities out there to have an impact without a lot of effort. And, you know, like those quick videos, whether it's Loom or, the drift videos, we use the drift videos here at Mongoose um, internally to kind of explain to each other like, hey, here's a new update in like our CRM or something and this is how you access it. Or if marketing's doing a new campaign, I'll like usually notify everybody of what the campaign is, who we're targeting, what have you. And it's a lot easier than, you know, a very lengthy email that no one's probably going to read because <laughs> it's, you know, longer than two paragraphs. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, opportunities out there just to, you know, stand out in the ways you do engage with students, um, whether it is like texting, chatbots, video. I mean, I, there's new softwares that are popping up all the time. And I think like, you know, a very smart enrollment marketer can see these opportunities and try to say like, how can we use these to just stand out a little bit? And yeah. I think videos are really quick, easy way that humanizes the brand and humanizes you and will help you build that connection a lot faster than, a lengthy email that seems generic. So we've talked about texting. We've talked about video a little bit here. We talked about the really, you know, the importance of, of segmentation kind of being like the 
the bedrock, uh, the foundation of all of this stuff. Um, I, I also want your thoughts on like personalized direct mail because I, I have heard <laughs> more more buzz about this recently. And um, I'm just curious, like, regardless of if Mongoose clients are using this or not right now, just like what are Nicole's thoughts on direct mail and, and how it now might reappear into more marketers uh, mix? Like what, what, what do you think about it? How might it be used? Uh, and then, you know, why, why might someone in higher ed want to, want to consider this if they're not already doing, uh, direct mail? Yeah, it's just, it's funny. Cause it kind of, you know, everything comes around in circles. And I remember when I first kind of got into marketing, I, I was the digital marketer and it was separate from traditional marketing. Still, it was yeah. segmented and everybody was talking about, you know, like email and, you know, PPC ads and social media, they were like the way forward to communicate and brochures and flyers and all that stuff. Everyone's doing it. No one's reading it. They're throwing it in the trash. Don't look. And now we've kind of come full circle where like everyone's doing digital marketing, everyone's doing emails, everyone's doing, you know, like PPC. So how do you stand out? And the answer really is like a really smart direct mail um, is huge. And it's just funny that like direct mail is like becoming the the unique way to kind of stand out. And I think the key to that though, is like we've been talking about is the personalization, like not sending just a generic flyer about your school, but something that really stands out. And same thing, there's a lot of cool platforms out there that offer this in a easy scalable way. So you're not, you know, handwriting every single postcard yourself. Um, I've been there, I've done it. It's not fun, <laughs> um, but there's definitely ways that can, you know, add direct mail that's triggered already in your workflow. And so you can send a really nice personalized gift letter that looks like it's handwritten, um, something that, you know, again, is relevant to conversations they've been having with a recruiter. Um, and it's just going to be another, similar like, like we talked about with the text where, you know, the text kind of stands out and they're like, oh yeah, I have to go check that. The direct mail can be a nice little personalized touch of being like, oh, they really do you know, care and are reaching out and putting in that extra effort that, you know, the other schools aren't. Yeah. And what's so cool about a lot of these, these tools right now is, you know, you can, if they're, if they're doing it right, they can sync up with your CRM. So you can kind of, you know, create a workflow, create different lead score parameters so that automatically, like once Nicole hits a particular number, right, she's qualified enough to receive the postcard versus it, until Zach hits that number, like you're not spending money on sending Zach something that could be a waste because he's not that engaged digitally. And there are a number of ways, you know, to do this. Some, some schools are saying, well, if they're not engaged digitally, let's try to engage them um, via direct mail. I, I don't know that that's a particularly wise pathway in uh, today's day and age. I think it's more like what you're getting at, Nicole, find the people that are engaged that are that are responding really, really well, but haven't you know, pulled the trigger on the thing that you need them to do, which is to start or complete that application and use though, use that, uh, those, those prospects, uh, that segment to send some sort of like a strategic direct mail campaign to you. Because I, I do think there is something about receiving something physical, uh, in this very, very, very digital world that, that does, you know, stand out. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think that this means that schools should go back to spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on like, you know, trifold huge brochures and um, that they just kind of blast to their entire search file. But I do think that there is is a new sort of role for physical marketing communications collateral to augment somebody's digital experience. 
Yeah, you just think it's like all about the experience. Like think about when you get, you know, a new iPhone or a new laptop or something mm -hmm. like the experience of like the box and opening it up and you can kind of provide an experience like that for a student. And I know um, a coworker of mine, her daughter was just like, she was a senior in high school and making a decision on which school she should go to. And she kind of had three schools in mind. She had done like, you know, the campus visit, she had gotten accepted to all of them and she was in the part point of like just deciding which one to go to and the school she ended up going to they had sent her before she decided they just sent her like you know, a little package and it was like little things from around the school hmm. and actually a little lego set of like that she could build and it was like of the school or like one of the buildings wow and it was such just like a unique personalized touch point that like she just felt so much more like connected just from that that she ended up going to that school where you know, that's just another opportunity where, yeah, you're spending probably a little bit more than you would for a PPC campaign, um, but it's something that's going to probably convert into, you know, a student enrolling it with you. So like use direct mail in key points and again, you know, keep harping on it, but like keep personalizing it um, to something that's relevant and is going to like excite them, engage them and make them excited to come to your school. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. And I, I, what I love about everything that we've talked about today is, you know, there's so much room for experimentation and trying new things. And it's like, clearly, even by our conversation there, there isn't like one way to do all of this. And we are, we've talked about direct mail. We've talked about video. We've talked about texting. We've talked a little bit about chatbots, right? We've talked about the importance of segmentation. And I would argue that segmentation really is, again, sort of the first thing that you got to do before you can effectively personalize communications is you have to know, like, okay, of my massive list of people, like, who cares about what, right? So you you have to start there. But then beyond there, like the strategies that you use for delivering great marketing collateral, the strategies that you use for admissions communications, they can vary dramatically. And that's why I feel like there's there's so much opportunity, there's so much room for creativity in uh, the journey to enrollment. And I there, there's just a lot of there's a lot of room for people to be different and to try new things just because you only have you might have a smaller budget than your competitor down the street fine okay maybe you can't do a personalized direct mail campaign to 5000 of your top prospects but could you do one for the top 500 right like there's there's so many ways to kind of think differently think creatively no one's got like you know the corner on the market right now and i i just get excited because i think that we're going to see in light of everything that covid has taught us and just kind of the state of higher education today while many, many challenges face us, I do think that, you know, with great challenges comes uh, a, a new birth of creativity and a new way of like looking at things and a new optimism. So I think that the schools that are able to kind of like adopt that and really like lean hard into that mindset, those are the ones that are that are going to win, even if they're the ones with smaller budgets and that are under-resourced and, you know, aren't the name brand institutions um, there's just a lot of opportunity right now and I get excited. So hopefully, uh, so, any, something that we've said has, uh, resonated with you all today, but, um, Nicole, thanks so much for, uh, your thoughts and thanks for all the work that you guys are doing, uh, to, to help like lead this conversation. Cause I do think we need leaders. We need people that are going to encourage the rest of the industry to think differently about communications and to try new things and be willing to adopt new channels and tactics and tools like chatbots in order to make some of these things uh, come to life. So thanks as always for being here. Uh, any any parting yeah, words or uh, words of wisdom for our <laughs> audience? No, I mean, I think you kind of summed it up really well. I mean, 
everybody kind of talks about, it's all just about how you engage the student from beginning to end. And, you know, think outside the box at Mongoose. We always, one of our values is a be scrap nasty. Mm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for some schools to be a little scrappy and think differently and utilize all these different tactics in different ways that are going to help you stand out without having to do, you know, a huge lift or have a huge budget. So, but I think you summarized it much better than I. (laughs) No, no, that was great. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and we will be back with another episode of Chats What She Said next month.